in three words. The best stories. What are some of the best things going on right now? The, the best, best stories are authentic. They are relevant. Thought-provoking. Emotional is probably the first The best one stories are humorous. Shareable. They I think are emotional. entertaining. They're unique. I, I would and say relevant. inspiring. Honest. Real. Colorful. And they're emotional. Those are some of the best stories. Hello, storytellers, and let me be the first to say happy NFL kickoff week and welcome to Storyteller. It's a monthly live stream that is produced by Tagboard, but more importantly, it is powered by all of you. We have a big time storyteller joining us today, but first, a quick intro. My name is Sky Muller. You can find me on Twitter at SkySPX, likely lamenting about the latest coaching decision by Pete Carroll. Yeah, no doubt. You always are, Sky. And I'm Kristen Rogers. You can find me on Twitter at, at Kristen E. Rogers. Please send me any good Eagles highlight videos my way. I personally think we're going to see some big things from Jalen Hurts and that Eagles receiving core this year. But we do have more NFC East talk coming your way in just a few. The goal of today, though, is to educate, entertain, and to engage with all of you. That final part is where you come into play. Tweet us using the hashtag Storyteller. Tell us where you're watching from and give us your favorite moments and keep that phone nearby because we do have everyone's favorite tag board trivia coming up in just a bit. And let's get right into it. Today's storyteller has a rock star resume. If you name the network, he likely oversaw programming on it. That includes 15 years working as SVP and executive producer at NBA Entertainment, NBA TV, and NBA.com, where he was responsible for overall branding, development, marketing, programming, sales, as you can tell, did it all, even creative direction. Yeah, and if that wasn't wasn't enough for just the, for nearly the last 15 years, he's been the VP and executive producer of Giants Entertainment. Just about any Giants content that you've seen come out of the Meadowlands, this man has had his hands on it. So let's welcome in now Don Sperling. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Can't wait to all talk. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, Don, we'd like to welcome in our guests with a little fill in the blank here. In your opinion, the best stories are what, what, and what? Best stories in terms of in terms of the sport, or in terms of off the field, or both. I mean, when when you, as a, a viewer and a fan of both sport and culture, I mean, what are the best stories to you? What are some aspects or just you know, in, in integrity? Do do you try to look for in these stories? I think, you know, everyone loves an underdog. I think when you, when you have a story of either a team that, you know, has a journey throughout a year and the unexpected, right? That's, that's drama. Anything with the unexpected or someone who's, or somebody or someone who's overcome amazing adversity and has achieved greatness. And then there's your flat out greatness. Okay. And, you know, I mean, even though we've beat him twice and both times we played him, when you talk about a Tom Brady type of, I mean, just watching greatness. And it's in every sport. You watch Roger Federer. You watch Michael Jordan. You watch Tiger Woods. Witnessing greatness is probably an incredible, it's just an, it's an incredible feature that everyone kind of, you know, because everyone wants to be that great, but they aren't going to be that great. Of course. Yeah, it makes you special just to be part of the story. Right. And watching that or witnessing it or being there is is an amazing accomplishment. Don, we're witnessing greatness with you on Storyteller right here. (laughs) Not so much. (laughs) I got to pump you up a little bit. Uh, 
So you said the best stories, underdog stories, the unexpected happening. What's maybe from your career, maybe either your time in with the NBA or your time with the New York Giants, what was an unexpected moment or something that, that happened in, in your career? You know, it's funny. So I'm going to go back, and it's not that probably something that everyone thinks about right, right away, but I'll never forget when I was at the NBA, and it was the 19... 19- 80, it was the 1985 or 86 slam dunk tournament. And five foot six and a half, five foot seven, Spud Webb, okay, wins the slam dunk tournament over Dominique Wilkins, over Larry Nance, over all these six eight, six nine, six six, six seven. This little guy, everyone thought, oh, it's a gimmick. He, you're going to put him in, he can jump really high for a little guy. What's he going to do? He'll probably just barely get off the rim. And this guy, Blew everyone's mind. Now there it there it is. It's overcoming adversity, his height, the unexpectedness, and then achieving greatness. All in well, that was. And that, I'm trying to go back early in my career. Okay. <laughs> um, if we go later later in my career, I mean, even though we thought we were good enough to win, but nobody thought we'd beat the eight, eighteen and zero at that time. They thought they'd be the nineteen and zero Patriots. You know, and the David Tyree catch and. That's the unexpected. And then the Giants conquering, you know, David beating Goliath in the Super Bowl. Though by that time, if you're a real football fan, you'll understand that they, we were still on our way up and they were sort of had leveled off and were on their way down. So we met them at the right time also. I'm not saying we had a better, we had a better roster than them. There's no way. We had, you know, Brady and Randy Moss and all those great defenders they had and everything. I mean, that was like, you know, one of the greatest rosters ever, but David beat Goliath. And that's the great thing about single game eliminations like the NCAA tournament, college football, or the NFL. It's a one game elimination. In a seven game series, the best team will not, will mm-hmm. most likely win. But in a single game elimination, anything can happen. Villanova can beat Georgetown. Okay. Um, North Carolina State beats Houston in the NCAA. I mean, these upsets, happen all the time and that's what makes sports so great and that's why sports is the best reality show there is amen i love that i i personally use the the same phrase there don i mean i i truly think that we're about to see some great reality television coming up uh this nfl season as well too and as you get set to kick off this 2021 season take us into the production meetings what's the early season focus or storytelling theme for the giants programming that we can see this year well, you know, a lot of the things we try to do is, you know, in this day and age, because there's so many platforms to deliver your, your, you know, your content on. Okay, you know, back before digital and social media, you know, it was really your your television shows or or your events or whatever, you know, or whatever way you could touch your fans. There weren't as many ways you can touch your fans now with social media and with TikTok and Snapchat and and and. You know, on Instagram and, you know, Twitter and Facebook. And then you have your television programs. And then you have the YouTube channel, which we're developing a lot of content for. We have some surprises that are going to come out this year. Some really, some really, um, new and innovative programming involving, uh, some of our, some, some of our former great legends here. But anyway, um, that, that makes it, you need to give, you need to have access. Okay, and everybody seeks the access. You got to do something, you know, the highlights, everyone has highlights, right? And, you know, the press conference sound bites, everyone has that. You need to find a unique way 
to present your brand, your players, your coaches, your organization to the to our to your fans, your season ticket holders, whoever your audience is. That's gonna like wow! I want I got to sit in my seat, and you got to hit them in the first minute of that, and that's really important. They have to say, "Why should I watch?" Because there's so many other things to watch. Give me a yeah. reason to watch. Well, here's a reason to watch. Grabbing people's attention so difficult these days when you mentioned there's so many different ways and, and things that are going to try and distract them. The one thing that I really liked what you were talking about there, Don, was the access. And for years, right, the sports team, the, the in-house team is going to have the best access as they're part of the team. But we, we kept seeing them let the local TV station or let these the radio hosts or let the newspaper tell the story of the team. But what we're seeing, especially with what you're doing at Giants Entertainment, is you're telling your story. You're owning the content. How have you seen that develop, that in-house content arm for teams over the years? Well the, well, the one thing we make sure, and we probably were the first of most organizations to do this, we produce, sell, create everything in-house. We don't allow a television... We may air it on another... Te- you know, We make a distribution deal, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So if it's Fox or My9 or NBC or, 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 or wherever our TV outlet is, or it's on our, our own video and, and digital platforms, yes, but we produce the content and we sell the content and we, and to our own sponsors. So it's our voice, it's our message, and it comes out. And also we make sure our brand is, is you know, out there in the way that it deserves to be. You don't want your brand dragged through the mud. You don't want to give... Hey, you know what? You produce this TV show. Next thing you know, they're they're taking down your organization, or the video doesn't look good, or there's something you know, or or they get something wrong, and your not just when I say your brand, but your entire reputation gets kind of dragged a little bit into the mud because of the voice or message of another of another outlet. So we control all our media, and that's one way to ensure that it's one high quality, and two that it works for us and it's profitable. So, Don, to that point, I mean, Giants fans obviously tune in on Sundays, of course, but they are engaged and they're hungry for that content and that brand that you're talking about seven days a week, really 24-7. What goes into making sure that you have fresh and engaging content to feed that hunger from Giants fans? That's a good question. Um, I think the one of the unique things, the great things about the NFL and football in general is every week is a different story. Okay, so you and you build towards that. Obviously, the game being the apex. So Sunday, let's say the game, unless it's on Monday night, but for the most part, your games are played on Sunday. So you are building. So Monday is kind of spent reviewing. You know, you look back a little. You show some of the things of Sunday. You you, you use some of your wireless, your inside. You give the fans a little bit of what happened in the game from an inside perspective. Tuesday's sort of a day where you're kind of looking back but looking forward a little bit. And it's also the player's day off where we do a lot of stuff in the community and we do a lot of the features and we go out and get and gather a lot of our material and start to record and gather momentum for the week. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the team is back. They're at practice. There's all the, you know, all the features, all the energy, all the news and information. We're, we're producing and recording all of our programming for all the digital channels and our, t- and our television shows. So as the weekend nears, you're starting to put that out in, in probably in more, in, more, in more ways than you have earlier in the week where you're a little more sporadic. 
Okay. So then by the weekend, you're really gearing towards the game. You're, you're doing kind of energy and fan pump up and Saturdays. And then the morning of the game, you're getting the fans ready and then you're entertained. So now if you have a home game, you're producing the game in the stadium, which is what we do. Some, some teams separate that out. Our group kind of does everything. We produce the game in the stadium. We also produce TV. We produce the digital. We, we, we do all the events. We control and produce all the content. So it's one group talking to each other. So we, we're also preparing all that inside content for the game presentation itself. So what you see when you go to the game, what's on the video boards, the prompts, the features, get up and get loud, all that stuff. Anything that runs, anything that happens on the field, starting from the pregame to the anthem to the halftime, anything you see there is produced by the team. So you're gearing up, and then as the game goes on, that's your, you know, that's where you're, that's your top of your week. And then when the game is over, you're going back again, telling another story. So the story is about that game and lead up to it with the different types of content and the different, and the different offerings that you could have on your platforms. Now, obviously, things can change in a moment, but you are planning on, on having full-capacity fans back in the stadium this yes. year. So what's on the docket to welcome them back after being away from a year? And finally, back to enjoy the New York football giants in person. Well, I will give a plug for you guys. Tag board's going to help us because that really incorporates our fans <laughs> uh, on our boards. Also, for the fans that aren't at the game, our digital platforms are going to use, you know, are going to use the uh, – you know, tag works to get the fans involved with photos and action. And then obviously all the tweets and all the things, social media that really connects the people that aren't, you know, that can't make the game, you know, and feel at home like they, like they're part of it. And then if you're at the stadium, it'll energize a lot of the fans to get more involved by, you know, getting involved with photos and tweets and things like that while the game is going on. So that's, so that's one of the things that's, that's going to be, uh, really enhanced and, and put on. And then, you know, we're doing things like a new graphic package, a new animated open for when the players come out, some new pyro, some new, um, you know, some of the, some of the things we, we, we have a custom here, a tradition where we, Hell's Bells has been the song that kind of, that, that we kick off to. It's been mm -hmm. going like that for about 30, 35 years, as long as the song's been out. So that we have a bell that, Either a legend or, or a special guest or celebrity rings in where three, the three gongs that starts L bells, that the bell rings it in. We have a new place for that up on our, up on our mez level where, where we're going to ring in the game. You know, just all the little traditions and all the little things and our together blue campaign, which is we started last year because we really started it because we thought everyone's displaced. No fans could come. How do we bring the fans? together and how to bring the team and fans together without them being at the stadium. And we had this thing together blue. No matter where you are, we're all together blue. So we've taken that and we've accelerated it up another notch. So we're going to be doing a lot of stuff in, interactive in the city, around the around the uh, metropolitan area, incorporating the fans and the players all together blue. So the way I, the way we, we look at it, and I'll kind of end the game day stuff here, is the, the way we look at a game, we produce the game as well as we can at a network level, meaning we use the best cameras, we use the best angles, we have the best control room, we have the best equipment, we have all the best EVS replay machines. Everything we have matches what the network has, but we produce a game at a network level, but with a home field advantage. Our replays, 
I mean, you know, I'm not hiding anything. Our replays are going to, we have to do replays for everything, good or bad, but our replays are going to be more and better for, for plays that get turned against us, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or say, show a replay next, let's move yeah. on, right? You, you produce a game. Listen, winning and losing is so critical in football. I've worked in every other sport. I mean, baseball is 162 games. You lose, you got tomorrow, you got the weekend, eh, you got the next series. It doesn't really, you know, you got 162, you get 81 home games. You have eight home games or nine if you're, you were the, like my, like we played Miami this year in the 17th right. game. So they have nine. Okay. So next year we'll have nine. I'm saying you have eight home games basically. So you have to make the most of it. You win and everybody the next day, Monday, Tuesday is walking around the place. You know, there's victory cookies out and you know, you're skipping around. You lose. It's a funeral. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> makes eye contact. You don't look at the owner's eyes. You don't look at the coach's eyes. You know, you just, you, everyone's walking, you know, straight. Winning and losing in football is so critical because it really can make or break your season. College football, especially. Mm-hmm. You lose yeah. a game, you're done in college football. Think about that. That's mm-hmm. so true. I don't turn the radio on on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday if it's a loss on, you know, Saturday yeah. or Sunday. Because, yeah. like oh. you said, it, it's like a funeral out there. Also, like you said, you worked in other sports beyond football. So we want to get to the NBA stuff in just okay. a minute, Don. But first, Everybody watching, grab that phone, get ready to scan the QR code on screen. It's a little time <laughs> for Tag Board Trivia. Don already gave us a little trivia today, but here's some new trivia. It is New York Giants edition. You just heard us call out Tag Board Trivia during the Storyteller live experience. If you're listening on the podcast, no need to worry. You can play along as well. We dropped a link in the show notes or go to tagboard.com slash storyteller. Scroll down a little and you'll see the trivia. Welcome back. Let's take a step off of the gridiron now and on to the hardwood. The NBA's growth on a global scale has just been incredible to watch. And the level of basketball competition that we saw at the Tokyo Olympics showed a true impact of all of the work put in during the 90s and early 2000s just to help grow this game. Don, you played a huge role in that during your time with NBA Entertainment. Take us through those early days developing the NBA TV live broadcasts and those international feeds as well. Yeah, like, you know, working for David Stern, you know, who I I still miss so dearly, um, my mentor, um, the vision that David had. I mean, listen, either you... (laughs) The, the great thing about David was he wasn't easy to work for, but he was great to work for, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. He made you better through will, you know, whether whether he beat you down a little, but he'd always pick you back up. And you learn so much. You learn about attention to detail. You learn about, you know, marketing. You learned about branding. You learned about everything that I ha- that I know about and do today. I can credit David with helping me along the way. So that was actually, you know, that was actually a big part. But, you know, I would say the shape of the NBA is so important. The dream team was really the kind of the center of that because before that, you know, only college players, as everyone knows, could play. And we lost in the Seoul Olympics in 88. We lost in 72. And the international teams were playing together for years and years. And then you get a bunch of college kids together and they weren't good enough to beat these professionals who were playing for all these for all these things. So they, long story, you know the story, they, they, they got the, the best of the best, selected the dream team, and off they went. 
They had tournaments here. They played, you know, in Monte Carlo and then on to Barcelona. But the funny thing in Monte Carlo, it, and a lot of people know this story, the greatest game ever played was played amongst the dream team. They split it six on six. Chuck Daly kicked us all out of the gym, which he never would do. He kicked us, hit everyone out, everyone out. Things were getting a little dragged. Things were getting a little hot. Magic and, and Magic and Jordan were going at it. Magic was one, had one team. Jordan was in the other, and Magic was trying to hang on, but he didn't, you know, he knew in the back of his mind that, that this guy was the, that this guy was the future, but Magic was really just hanging on and saying, I'm still, I got more championships, I got this, I got that, and he went at it, and him and Jordan went at it, and if you trash talk Michael Jordan, you better be ready to pay, and they went at it, and these two teams went at it, and Chuck even said afterwards, I thought I'd be, if anybody got hurt in this game, which really could have, he would have been sent home <laughs> as the coach for letting them. But the, these two teams went at it like crazy with Jordan and Magic John and going at it and, you know, almost getting into fights. But that's what makes you better. That's what, what these guys were, their competition, their spirit. They played so hard. The rules weren't as like, you know, you, you could handshake back then. You could do that. If, if Jordan played in this, in this day and age without, without the handshaking with all the easy rules, He'd be 10 times better than he even was, okay? I mean, he's the greatest of all time. And listen, you can all write and tell me. You can give me anyone you want, but there's no one because and it's not just it's not about physical ability. It's here. No one was as competitive, as, as unbelievably vicious on the court as Michael Jordan when it came to winning and losing. After the game, he'll smoke cigars, go out and drink, have a bourbon, you know, you know, play cards with you all night. But if you're on the court, you were his. So, so that was kind of cool. And um, and then you know, just covering his team and being in the hotel, you walk out of the hotel, and there were five thousand people gathered outside the hotel just to watch the twelve second walk from the hotel steps onto the bus. My gosh! Literally, five thousand yeah. cameras, helicopters going overhead. It was. It was the, you know, I mean, you know, you see those old films of the Beatles when they came to America. Yes. That's what yep. it was. I swear, that's what it was in Barcelona. It was crazy. in Monte Carlo, too, but obviously Barcelona more was, was the Olympics. And that, you know, it was a little controversial because we had to stay in a hotel because they couldn't live in the Olympic Village. It would have just been a disaster. You know, there, yeah. there was no way they could live in the Olympic Village. And mm -hmm. It just wasn't happening, you know, and. And they had this room upstairs, their rec room, where they played cards and did all this and, you know, played and stuff. And there was just, you know, and it, it, as I was telling you, you're telling you earlier this, in that in a, in a lot of these shows, they tell the stories. But I'll give you one. If, if you have time, i give you one real quick. We've one. got all the time. Don. Always for time for you. For Dream Team so, stories, all the time. One of the things, one of the things for NBA Entertainment, we made, you know, we did a lot of home videos with Michael Jordan, obviously. We're not, you know. We, we marketed that. We marketed that pretty well. Still to this day, the best-selling sports home video ever is Michael Jordan, Come Fly With Me. Still today. That was 1989. And 88, 89. And it's still the biggest-selling sports uh, home video. But um, so anyway, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to bridge this a little bit. But we, we had made a, uh, another video deal for a, a show called Michael Jordan Airtime. And for the next one, for the successor to come fly with me. And one of the deals was he'd give us a day. And he, we had a bunch of different days. So we had two days here, and then he'd give us one day in Barcelona. 
So as it turned out, it kept stalling, stalling. The day in Barcelona was the day of the gold medal game. The gold medal game is being played at 9, 10 o'clock at night, okay, in Barcelona. So we're getting ready. We're prepping. We've got all the locations set. We're shooting everything. We, you know, we got everything. So I know that Jordan plays cards with Barkley and Bird and Magic and a bunch of other guys. Martin Schott and Spike Lee were in there. And, you know, but in the room at night, they play this game called Tonk and they play all night. And, you know, so I said, so I said to Mike, you know, I have a pretty good relationship with him. In, directing and producing for a while. I said, Michael, you know, you're going to cut the game a little short tonight, right? He goes, yeah, 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 sure. So they start to play cards, and I'm like the old mother hen. I'm standing in the rec room, you know, waiting, you know, looking at my watch, you know, being like a being like a, a nudge, okay? Because I have this big shoot in the morning. Not only the day he has to sleep, I have to go to sleep at some point, which I never did, but so 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and I'm like, Michael, and all the guys are teasing Michael. Michael, you got to do your home video. Michael, you know, they're all doing that. Bird and magic and all that. So finally, 6 a.m., they finish the game. Now, I have to go out and shoot all day. And Michael has the gold medal game that night. Now, he had been up from the previous night. He had already been up 32 hours before this. Now he's going on 40. So he says to me, okay, I just got to go in and shower and change really quick. I'll be right out. So I'm thinking, oh, he's going to crash. So they go in his room, he's just going to crash. Because who wouldn't? He's, yeah. you know, who wouldn't besides Superman, right? So he goes in, I'm waiting outside the room saying, I'm dead. I'm not going to get the shoot. I'm never going to get the video. 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Comes out in that, he comes out in that Nike sort of like um, coming to America outfit. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. one, that old, you, you can see it in the, in the famous photos, actually. I don't know if you guys can see Bring it. Bring in the props. But that's the phone. Oh. Yes. Can you guys see oh. that? Yeah, we can. Yes, okay. wow. That's the outfit with the matching shorts. And that's an Olympic stadium, which we'll get to. I hope I'm not oh boring you with this. No, uh, you're, no, I'm sitting on okay. the edge of my Keep seat going. right now. All right, all right. So we get in, we stop. We have stops. at the. We go to the NBC commissary. He has his coffee. I'm making an espresso because I'm afraid he's going to fall out. But I don't realize I'm with somebody who's not even, he doesn't even look tired. Okay, we're exhausted. All of us. We've been up waiting for him. We in the car. We do that famous shoot in Barcelona with that, with that four-story sign of Michael. The Nike poster was on the sign. We walk by there. We do that, and then we have a shoot in Olympic Stadium, which is in here. But we have to get an empty Olympic Stadium. We get there. We have made arrangements. We get there. The Spanish Army is there. I'm not talking about police. The Spanish Army is guarding the entranceway with about 60 soldiers with rifles, you know, AK-47s, the whole thing. Oh, my God. And I come up. I said, we have a shoot. Blah, blah. And the guy's looking at me, and I have a interpreter. And he's like, you know, come and sit you know, you know, you know, he's saying Spanish. And I'm like, and then all of a sudden, so I go up to him. And I said, tell him Michael Jordan is in the shoot. And he goes, so I hear him say, you, you, you know, you know, can't say Michael Jordan. And then all of a sudden. The whole thing separates, right? Parting of the Red Sea. Walk in, and, and you'll see it in these documentaries. Michael walking up into there because we we shot this on film, you know, on, on, on Super 16 camera. It was, it was beautiful. And Michael walks around in the flames, and he's talking about his memories in the Olympics, and we get that shoot done, okay? Wow. So we finish that. We're finally kind of finished with our stuff. And he says, hey, can you do me a favor? 
there's this little there's this golf course outside of Barcelona that he's been playing at because he loves you know he loves golf. I said, and I'm looking. I'm like, Michael, you got the gold medal game. Just drop me off. I want to I want to I want to quickly you know play 18. So you play eight now. It, never mind you. It's 98 degrees, 100 percent humidity. Out. I, I'm not kidding. It's the hottest eight weeks in Barcelona ever. So I said, all right, but you know you got to be this. Don't worry, I got it. My clubs are there. I'll get I'll get a ride back. Don't worry about it. Blah 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 blah. We drop him off. He plays eighteen holes of golf. This and that. He gets you know. People, I'm at the hotel now. I think they're going to kill me if this guy doesn't make it back for the gold medal game because I dropped him at the course, right? And and, yeah. and my and my camera. Twenty like twenty five minutes before the bus ready to leave, he comes back to the hotel holding his golf clubs, goes up, showers, gets into his uniform, gets on the bus, goes play. Now he's been up 49, 52 hours straight. <laughs> oh, my god! into the building, plays the gold medal game, they win, and I'm seeing it myself and I'm going, it, it's not Superman has left the building. Superman is back in the building. Superman is back in the building. This oh guy, gosh. I am telling you, I have never. He played a he played a full basketball game. This guy is Superman. I know that was a long that went longer than I thought it should. But you look like you guys half. But that is the greatness that you talked about earlier. I mean, that is the greatness for these stories that we love to hear. Yeah. We love to Tiger watch. Woods, Michael Jordan. Oh my gosh. You know, you can't. You know, you know, in the history, you know, Muhammad Ali. You know, there's only there's only a handful of iconic players and athletes, and he's to me at the top. Wow, yeah. Sorry, you know, he probably went and played cards until six a.m. after. The <laughs> well, they got on the plane. They, yeah, they, they, oh. they got on the plane after that and went home. <laughs> and it's and safe they celebrated the all. The they weren't at the closing ceremony. Trust me. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was awesome. That I noticed you didn't say Tom Brady when you're talking about the greats. I know that was intentional. No, I did earlier though. I oh, said, yeah, you oh, in our pre-conversation, <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, you did. You did. You you acknowledge Tom. He's. He's, no, in terms of that, I'm not. I'm, Tom Brady's the greatest football player of all time, but I'm talking about those iconic guys that go beyond sport. Yeah, they you know do. what I mean, like Tiger Woods, what he's done for his, what he's done for golf and and being a minority and opening golf up to the world. Mm -hmm. You know, Jordan, mm -hmm. what Jordan's done for his sport. You know, almost what Babe Ruth did for baseball when exactly. back, back when what Ali did for boxing. I'm talking about for, you know that kind of thing. You know. I mean, I don't think Federer is, is great and, and, you know, and there's other people, but I don't think they, they, they go beyond their sport. Those, those athletes I just mentioned go well beyond their sport. They walk into a room and the temperature changes and, or yeah. they get the Spanish army to just move out of the way and yeah. they walk right in. Exactly. <laughs> Don, you created and developed so much programming. You talk about what you did with the 92 Dream Team and, it, you were developed NBA inside stuff on NBC, yeah. which ran for many, many years. What goes into building a show from scratch like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is an amazing experience. NBA inside stuff was really, we really were kind of gambling. I mean, we did pilots. We did, we were kind of small. So what happened, basically what happened was we, the CBS contract ended with, our games were always on CBS. And then we entered into a new one in 1990 with, with NBC. And along with the games, you know, we, we, had, we had talked to Brandon Tartikoff, the head of the network, you know, who was a legendary programmer who came up with the greatest Hill Street Blues and Seinfeld and all these, all these 
legendary NBC Thursday night, you know, on NBC was must watch. That was brand new particles. And he just, and he said, you know, maybe we could develop something that's sort of a teen, young based that incorporates pop culture, music, sports, iconic, you know, you know, personalities. So we, listen, we already have our NBA players. Basically, they don't wear helmets. They don't wear a lot of padding. They don't wear, you know, bat, you know, hat, hats. They're out there basically playing in a tank top in their underwear. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's what it really yep. what it is. Yeah. And and we knew we had this ability. And then we had all these at that point, <laughs> Jordan and Magic and Bird and Barkley and, and David Robinson and Ewing and, you know, and on and on and on and on. And we had these personalities. It was already built in. So we developed, you know, a show that could take music, that could take pop culture, that could take fans of of these players and, and sort of celebrities and sort of marry. And it really, it literally wasn't. No one can deny it. It's the first show that married sports and pop culture. And soon after that, MTV did MTV Sports and ESPN did a sports pop culture variety. So, but we were the first ones that went on the air and it was, and it was national, it was network. It wasn't, you know, just in New York or wherever. It was on NBC in their morning lineup. It was right after Saved by the Bell. <laughs> yeah. Two great shows back to back. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, Don, let's get into some segments here. So let's start here with your best advice. You have been producing content for so many years now. You undoubtedly have passed the 10,000 hours mark, which according to Malcolm Gladwell means that you have put in enough time to master your craft. Yeah. What is your best advice to any EP or producer out there looking to create and curate this content? Yeah, don't take your eye. Listen, create. You know, make, obviously being profitable in this day and age and, you know, return on investment is always very important. But never take your eye off the ball on what really is a good story. And don't think that you can only tell a story in three minutes, 10 minutes or 30 minutes. You can tell a story in 30 seconds. Always make sure it's not just always about the visual. The visual is good. Make sure you, you have great visuals because that's that's catchy. Make sure your audio is sound. That's catchy. But that there's something, that there's a story, something to hang on to. Catch somebody right at the beginning. Make sure you, you hook them in. Hey, listen, if you watch, I'll always, I'll always remember this when I tell people about, well, how can you tell a story in a commercial? You can. Look at, the great example would be the, those Budweiser Clydesdale commercials that used to run in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Remember the Clydesdale made friends with the puppy and then the yes. puppy grew up and he ran in and they saw each other later in life and they remembered each other. You yep. You're going to make me cry again. Your hair yeah. on your arm. I mean, like, I you get chills when you say it. It's, it's in 30 seconds or 60 seconds, but it's amazing storytelling, and it endears you to the product. After that, I, I mean, I, I want to go out and buy a Budweiser, you know? <laughs> or a so, puppy. Yeah, or, well, I, that I have. So, you know, I'm, a dog, <laughs> I'm a dog person, so maybe it's just me looking into it, but, you know, dogs are, listen, dogs, horses, and, and beer. What, 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 what could be better, right? Perfect football. That's the only other football. thing. Well, it's, yeah. it's, during, it's during the biggest football game. So True. there you go. Yeah. You know? This next segment, it's called We'll Do It Live. And for someone who has been around live TV as long as you have done, I'm sure you have some stories that can add a little perspective about what goes into producing a live broadcast and just the chaos around a live broadcast. You mentioned what went into kind of a little bit of the chaos on trying to get that Michael Jordan segment put together. But when we're talking live TV, yeah, do you have a good that. story? <laughs> yeah. You, you know what? It's, it's a little related, but we, we moved NBA entertainment was in Manhattan and we had moved to Secaucus, New Jersey 
where they still are at this point. And we had constructed, you know, a, we made our NBA team offices, our editing and the set, but we were, excuse me, we're building a new studio in that was connected to our offices. Brand new studio, huge. Where we're going to have NBA inside stuff. Where we're going to do all of our, you know, all of our promotion, everything. We could do commercials there. We did a lot of commercials for our sponsors and so forth. So as it turns out, the first live, and of all the things, the first live show that we were going to do in there was the Dream Team Selection Show in 1991, okay, to name the team that was going to play in 92. Okay, that was the famous one with the controversy with Isaiah Thomas and, you know, John Stockton taking his place and all that. And there was so much going in and we were doing as much testing and everything as possible. And like, I remember like half hour before the game, the audio, audio was coming through the thing. We weren't getting all the satellite feeds. We had like 10 satellite feeds hooked up with like, you know, Ewing here and, 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 and David Robinson from here and, and, you know, Jordan and everybody and magic. And, and then we had live guests in the studio and then we had a, you know, studios and I'll, I'll just never forget spending like two, three days up. Things were going, things were happening. Bob Costas is hosting and things are going down as he's talking. And that guy is amazing on here. And he's just like nodding his head and he's keeping, he's moving. We're telling him, okay, go to this. We don't have the feed. We don't have the feed. Go next. Go, you know, and we're, we're in the control room. Everyone's going, everyone's going nuts. But you know, you know what I've learned? The fans don't know, you know, you know, it's all going wrong or you know, there's things happening that you can't control. But unless somebody on air says we're having technical diff, that's what I always hate. Unless you really have gone to black or you have got audio out or whatever, you never give away your hand because what the fans don't know won't hurt them. Okay. And things were going down and we're going bad, but we just kept moving. We just kept changing the script and we just kept, all right, on to the next one. We'll go back to that. Let's go to segment three, back to one, back to four. And that to me was kind of my first live experience where things, you know, were a little chance because it was the first live show because we were, we were christening the studio where, you know, you just kind of have to keep it moving, but the stakes were amazingly high. The ratings on that was, was incredible. Don, how we close it out here is what we call the storyteller shout out. So we want to find other people, other great storytellers like yourself. I mean, you came on here and you were dropping stories from the dream team in 92 stuff about the super bowls. Like it's so cool. And this is exactly why we put this together is we want to highlight people just like you, Don. So this is your time to shout out another storyteller. Just say, I just got done telling my story. Now I call on so-and-so to jump on and tell theirs. Well, you want somebody, I want to tell somebody who's done an amazing, a lot of stuff in our business, but doesn't get the headline. I That's kinda, what we yeah. want. Okay. So there's a young guy who I hired in 1990 to be an intern on, on NBA, on NBA inside stuff. And he's now the senior VP in charge of all the programming at the NBA. His name is Dion Kokoris. He has no idea that, I, that he just came to mind because I, again, I don't write anything down, but Dion Kokoris at the, at the NBA is in charge of all the production and works, you know, with all the players and works in production and really doesn't get the, he does all the ESPN 3030s for them and the documentaries in the long form. And, and he's a, he's a real old school guy and he's still one of my closest friends over there. And he, he is a guy 
who I think would have a lot of interesting tales because he he did the 90s, but he's also with this modern athlete now and LeBron and, and did a lot with Kobe and did a lot with, you know, all these guys. So he might be an interesting subject for you. That's perfect. Can't wait to add him to the list. <laughs> you got to connect us because that sounds exactly like who we want on this show. So that's I will. awesome, Don. Thank you so much, by the way. You gave us plenty all your time today which was awesome and you gave a story after story and they were they were hard hitting too that was amazing awesome. so don thank you so much for jumping on thank story you. teller and, and sharing your story today